Okay. Great. Look, Nancy's sitting outside. It's so mild today. That's lovely. Hi, everybody. Thanks for being here. The Torah portion this week is Vayishlach, where Jacob gets his new name, Israel, after wrestling with the angel. So let's say the blessing for Torah study, and then we'll dive in. <clears throat> Excuse me. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Asher Kichanabu Mitzvotav Betzivanu Laasok Bedivrei Torah. So once again, like as last week, where I felt, um, I I just felt compelled to focus on Jacob's dream. Today in this portion, where a lot happens, I want to focus on Jacob's. The, the, the sort of the, um, the spiritual climax of Jacob's life, really, where he spends the night wrestling and receives a new name, Israel. And some of this, again, will be familiar, of course. But as I said, when a, a portion comes around once a year and it contains the story, as many of you have heard me say before, how we got our name, it's always worth revisiting. So that's what we're gonna to do today. And uh, I was talking, um, let's see, did, did, there you are, Betty, hi, Betty. Um, I was talking to Stan just a few minutes ago on the phone uh, about why we're the children of Jacob and not the children of Esau, who seems to be a much more sympathetic character in the text. And I was thinking about it. There doesn't seem to be any arc to Esau's life. I was thinking about this, Stan. There doesn't seem to be any arc to Esau's life. He's Esau. And yet Jacob is going to transform in his life. Uh, and just as um, um, Joseph is going to transform through his life. And just as Judah in the narrative goes through a transformation, Moses raised in the palace goes through a transformation. So these are the characters it seems that we, we wanna be linked to, the ones whose lives are, are uh, developing, who are unfolding personalities. And Jacob is pretty, um, Jacob needs a lot of developing. Um, if you recall, his name Jacob is because he's holding the heel, Ekev, Ekev means heel. He's holding his brother Esau's heel. They have been wrestling in the womb as to who's gonna get out first. And Jacob, um, Esau comes out first, is named Esau. Jacob comes out second, holding Esau's heel and is therefore named Yaakov, heel holder. Um, but he, follower. Um, and um, also as in English, uh, heel, a heel, because Yaakov also means to be crooked and uh, a twisted, crooked, not straight. 
yashar, not upright. And so Jacob's name that he's born with is uh, uh, reflected then in his life. He wants to be Esau. I think we talked about this a little last time. Um, he even to the point where he dresses up as Esau. And when his father Isaac, whose eyes are dim in Tolda two weeks ago says, are you, which son are you? He says, I'm Esau. So in terms of psychodynamics, picture this younger sibling who all he wants to be is his older brother, right? He doesn't want to be himself. He wants all he he wants what his older brother has. He wants to he he that's all he wants, and that's all his life is about. Right? That's what appears to happen. And he operates with guile. He operates crookedly uh, in order to attain it. Um, and as the Torah, the law of the, one of the narrative laws of the Torah, which seems to be basically true in life, that what goes around comes around, um, uh, the Torah narrative explicitly has visited upon Jacob the same trickery that he visited upon his brother when he's under uh, Laban's uh, employment all those years. The, the, the Leah rather than Rachel is inserted into his tent um, and uh, wages are withheld. And then Jacob resorts to guile to wrest his wages away from Laban. And uh, then when they're leaving um, and they run, they, they, they leave without saying goodbye towards the end of um, last week's portion, Rachel takes the household gods from Laban's home and Laban then chases after Jacob and says, you stole these from me. And Jacob says, well, of course we didn't steal them from you. If anyone's found with them in their possession, they'll be put to death. And uh, we didn't read this episode, but Rachel, but Laban then goes into Rachel's tent and Rachel puts the household idols under her cushion and says, you'll forgive me, dad. I'm in the way of women. In other words, I'm having my menstrual cycle uh, and I can't get up for you, I'm sorry. And so he ransacks the tent, can't find the idols because they're under Rachel's tush. And um, once more, there's falsehood. There's, it's just, it's a mess. Right, right? Uh, and because of what goes around comes around, tragically, Rachel dies in childbirth, fulfilling Jacob's vow to Laban, even though Jacob didn't know that Rachel had the household gods. This kind of uh, drama uh, happens throughout Jacob's life. After this very chapter, Jacob's sons, Dina, Jacob's daughter Dina is going to go out with the women of the land, in the land of Shechem. The chieftain's son is going to fall in love with her. He's going to take her by force, but then he's going to come back to the family and say, I love this girl. 
What can we do so that she can be my wife? You, and through incredible guile, Shimon and Levi tell him, tell them that the, the sons tell him that uh, uh, we don't marry our girls out to non-circumcised uh, tribes. And so Hamor and Shem circumcise themselves and all their males. And while they're laid up, Shimon and Levi come in and kill them all. I mean, that happens in the next chapter. Oh, Jacob's life, the life of his offspring, it is um, um, turbulent and filled with um, a lack of integrity and with guile and with um, turnabout. And, you know, we want our heroes to be, uh, to be better than that, don't we? But the Torah, maybe the ancestors in the Torah aren't heroes. Maybe they're ancestors. I don't know. Maybe they're just, I don't know. I don't have the answers to this question. Uh, but um, uh, what we want to idealize them, but maybe we can't. However, in this portion, we have the moment when Jacob transcends this nature of his. And, and, and this is why and when he receives the name Israel. So the name Israel, which is Jacob's other name, is an aspiration, perhaps. Uh, so I really want to read it again as... You know, I'm not feeling particularly uh, optimistic about humanity right now. And um, uh, so that these stories aren't bothering me as much as, as they might uh, if I believed in human perfectibility. But I don't really anymore. I think we have moments of transcendence and then then we're back into the soup most of the time. Um, we're trying, we're trying. And Jacob is trying to. Jacob is returned, remember in the drama now, Jacob has recognized that he can't run away forever. And so after 20 years, he goes home explicitly to meet his brother. So this is an elevated moment for Jacob, right? And uh, he comes back, he sends messenger, he comes back from his 20 years away. And it's important to note again in the uh, structure of the Torah that um, the previous Torah portion by Yetzeh, is as it's as some of you know, as it's written scripturally in the Torah, it's written as without any paragraph breaks. The whole last week's portion is one continuous block of columns in the Torah scroll that begins with 
Vayetse, Jacob, hold on. Jacob left Beersheba, Vayifka, Bamakom, and encountered the place and slept there for the sun had set. And then the very end of that portion, I'll share my screen. Early in the morning, Laban kissed his sons and daughters and bade them goodbye. Then Laban left on his journey homeward. Jacob went on his way and angels of God encountered him. That same word encounter, I want the Hebrew and English. Whoops. How do I do it? Um, I'll get to it later. Encountered by Yifga is the same word as the beginning of the portion. And he sees angels. And what does he see in his dream at the beginning of the portion? He sees angels. And he saw, so he has returned after 20 years or one long, long dream or one night, because what's gonna happen after he wrestles with the angels, the sun is gonna shine on him again for the first time. Um, so in chapter 32, we begin the next portion. Now, give me a moment and let me figure out how to get the Hebrew and English up on Safari. It'll just take me a second. Okay, just a sec. Oh, I think I know what to do. There we go. There, there's Hebrew and English. And let me put this over here. Rob says, why do the angels encounter him and not the other way around with he encountering the angels? It seems odd. Rob, it seems to me, based on what I know about the way Torah works as literature, is that episodes will be sandwiched with A-B-B-A. And this whole story of Jacob's running away and then coming back is one story in the Torah. So it's, that seems to be the way it works. Does that make sense? That's, that's how I, I'm pretty sure that's how it rolls here. Okay. So Jacob, whose name means crooked and who has always wanted to be his brother, right? It's pretty clear. He wants what his brother had and he wants to be his brother. Has been through a 20 year ordeal far away and is returning, hopefully with a different awareness. And so he sends messengers to his brother Esau and instructs them. Thus shall you say to my Lord Esau, 
Thus says your servant Jacob, I stayed with Laban and remained until now. I have acquired cattle, asses, sheep, and male and female slaves. And I send this message to my Lord in the hopes of gaining your favor. The messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau. He himself is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. So I know many of you know this passage, but it's just perfect. Yeah, Esau's coming with 400 men. And Jacob is terrified. And uh, so then Jacob, being Jacob, he starts plotting. He divides his camp into two. He finds, he's trying to ensure their safety, that they won't be killed. This is all understandable. But he is going to meet his brother. He doesn't turn around and go back, right? Something in Jacob is determined and ready to meet his brother. And now I want to show you the key uh, phrase in this portion that you'll need to be aware of. And that word is face. He's ready to face his brother. Um, so in this verse, it says, listen to the English, but then listen to the Hebrew. He's telling his messengers what to say. And you shall add, your servant Jacob is right behind us. For Jacob reasoned, if I propitiate him with presence in advance and then face him, perhaps he will show me favor. Here it is in Hebrew. And he said to himself, Achapra fanav, look at that, I will, Tanav also means presence. Panim is, is your face or it's your presence. Okay. I will, I will, Achapra, that's like the word Yom Kippur. I will try to um, propitiate such a fancy word. Um, I will seek atonement from his face with my gift that goes lifanai before me, my face. Bacharechen, after that, er-e-panach, when I see his face, ulai yisa panai, perhaps he will receive my face. Okay. Uh, and then it says, so, and so the gift went on ahead uh, uh, before him, uh, his face. So when the word appears five times in one and a half verses, it's important. Because the next time we hear those, the face language will be when he wrestles with the angel. So confronting his brother. Remember, Art Waskow wrote beautifully about this. Jacob has always been wrestling with his brother. There has been not a single moment when he faced his brother without an agenda of wanting to overtake him. Not once in Jacob's life. And now he is returning to do so. And so 
He sends his company ahead, all his possessions, and Jacob was left alone. Okay, when's the last time he was alone? When he was running away. At the beginning of last week's portion, he leaves by himself and he finds a place and he sleeps there alone. And then he journeys on. And now he's alone again. Is he revisiting that earlier moment when he was running away? Because he's not running now. And it says, a man wrestled with him until the break of dawn. Ish. Again, we know from our studies that when there's an unnamed Ish in the Torah, on numerous occasions, that Ish, which all it means is man, seems to be a representative of God, an emissary sent to help a person on their way. We translate it as angel, but it just says man. And when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he wrenched Jacob's hip at its socket. So the socket of his hip was strained as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go for dawn is breaking. But he answered, and he must be Jacob here, but there's something about this lack of naming that is so dreamlike to me. Um, who's who? Who's wrestling with whom? Is Jacob wrestling since he's been wrestling in the womb as he did with his brother? What is Jacob wrestling with? Is Jacob wrestling with himself? Is that who the Ish is? Is Jacob wrestling with his image of his brother? The Midrash says that he's wrestling with Esau's guardian angel. Uh, who, what is this? It's a night vision. It's, a, it's, a, it's some kind of internal struggle. Jacob answered, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, think of this as a dream and think or as a hallucination or as a, as a vision quest. He's alone by the river at night. What is he revisiting? Do you remember his story? He wanted his brother's blessing. He dressed up as his brother. He went in to his father's tent and said, bless me but it wasn't the blessing for him. He got his brother's blessing. It was never Jacob's blessing. He got to be his brother and receive his brother's blessing, but that doesn't seem to be the answer to life's struggles, does it? Um, and so in this dream, Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me, he says to the mysterious man. Said the other, what is your name? He replied, Jacob, he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, Yisrael, ki sarita im Elohim, sar el, Yisrael, you have wrestled 
with beings divine and human. And you have, you have prevailed. You could almost expect then say, well, your name shall no longer be Jacob. It's going to be Esau. Isn't that what you always wanted? Because when Jacob's father, Isaac says to him, who are you, my son? He says, I am Esau. So the resonances of this are everywhere with Jacob's whole life story. Maybe Jacob's whole life is flashing before his eyes this night that he struggles, terrified of confronting his brother. And he receives this new name, Israel, for wrestling with beings divine and human. It's beautiful, isn't it? Great story. Jacob then asked, please tell me your name. But he said, you cannot ask my name. And he left. Um, interestingly, Vayivarech, our translators, translate as left. Let me get my dictionary. Bet Reshchav Baruch means bless, a bracha. Um, I will not let you go unless Beirachtani, you bless me. So why does our translator say, you must not ask, ask my name, Vayivarech Otosham. I think you could translate, and he blessed him there. Uh, hold on one sec. So in addition to face, the other word that keeps coming up in this Torah portion is this root, bet resh ha. Um, to kneel, to bend, to greet, to praise, to bless. Uh, okay. Nowhere here does it say took leave. However, the word bet reish chet barach means to escape. So if Jacob let him go by Yivarech, it could have meant if it was a chet and not a ha. So I really do not understand this translation, and I would have to dig deeper. If anyone does, let me know what you find. I would translate it. You cannot ask my name. Yeah. And he blessed them. Barbara Enfro says, why is Breshit so occupied with the jealousy of brothers? And not just brothers, Barb, because Rachel and Leah are, even though they're the sole representatives of sisters, um, are also intensely jealous of each Rachel's intensely jealous of Leah and Leah of Rachel right Rashid is preoccupied with sibling jealousy and rivalry and I think it's because Barb that um the question 
that God poses to Cain at the beginning, uh, I think it's a consistent theme. And the question that God poses to Cain after Cain kills Abel, and God says, where is your brother Abel? And Abel says, and Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? How should I know? Is the question that the whole book of Genesis um, uh, is working through. And um, here's another example with Jacob and Esau. Jacob, all Jacob wants to do is supplant Esau. But God wants something else from us siblings, this sibling clan. Um, uh, Peter Pitsley subtitled his book about Genesis, Tales of the Sibling Clan. My own meta story is that Joseph finally answers the question correctly at the end of Genesis when he forgives his brothers and sustains them. He has answered the question. And then by the time we get to Moses and Aaron, they seem to cooperate rather than constantly battle each other. And so I know that that's a broad stroke, but I think there's a lot to it. Razel says that in the article translation, he blessed him there, which I prefer. And then listen to the next verse. There's that, there's that makom again. Pni'el, meaning the face of God. I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. And the sun rose upon him and shined on him as he passed this place called Penuel. Peniel and Penuel are the same, the face of God. And he was limping on his hip. Uh, so Jacob is, a, once, Jacob is terrified of facing his brother. He spends the night confacing this, wrestling with this unnamed presence, this Ish, who blesses him. If I was going to psychoanalyze or psycho, whatever the word is, um, I might imagine Jacob's wrestling with his father as well, uh, who blessed him, but it wasn't him. He was Esau. He's never gotten his own blessing ever because he stole his brothers. So he doesn't even know what his blessing is. And he's had to spend 20 years now before he was ready to come back and face his past and find out what this, what's my blessing? What is my blessing? Something with, because of his fixation on his brother, he never found out for himself, uh, one might say. And then looking up, the sun is shining, the dark night, picture it theatrically, picture, Picture a stage with lighting and it's been dark and dim. And then the, the, the night of struggle ends 
the spotlight of the sun comes onto him, the stage brightens up, he raises his eyes after this internal pause, and he sees, and here's Esau coming with the 400 men. So he splits up his camp and he goes on ahead and bowed low to the ground seven times until he arrived at his brother. Esau ran to greet him. He embraced him and falling on his neck, he kissed him and they wept. As Naomi says, maybe wrestling with his own guilt, wrestling with himself and needing blessings belonging to others instead of blessing himself. Yes, take it on any level of what it means to spend your life as a heel, to spend your life trying to get what your brother has, and then finally realizing this isn't working, and that the only way forward is to confront the past. Esau embraces, as Rabbi Waskow teaches so beautifully, the two of them have never embraced. They've only wrestled. We don't know about them embracing anywhere else in the story. And Art Waskow talks about the subtle difference between a, a struggle and an embrace. It's the release of will. Right? It's uh, you might be engaged with someone, but if you're wrestling with them, you're being willful. You're trying to win. If you release your will, wrestling, a struggle, turns into an embrace. Utter vulnerability. They wept. Now, Looking about, Esau saw the women and the children. Who are these with you? And Jacob answered, the children with whom God has favored your servant. And then the maids with their children came forward and bowed, and Leah came forward and bowed, and Rachel came forward and bowed low. And Esau said, what do you mean by all this company which I have met? Because remember, he sent lots of gifts ahead. And Jacob answers, to gain my Lord's favor. Esau says, I have enough, my brother. Let what you have remains your, remain yours. And here's the next where the word face becomes crucial. By Yomer Yaakov, Jacob said, no, please. Please, if I have found favor in your eyes, take my gift from my hand. Ki alkein ra'iti fanecha, for seeing your face is like seeing the face of God. I'm always moved by this. And I know many of you have heard me share this before, but it just bears repeating. Is this the first time Jacob has ever seen Esau's humanity? Probably. Because he doesn't want anything from him. He's not striving to overcome him. 
That's he spent his whole life striving to overcome his brother. He's never seen his brother on his own terms. Of course, I have two brothers, so this is a um, this is meaningful to me um, to have gotten to the other side of it. I want to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, and uh, then he says, "Kachna et birchati." Again, our translator misses the mark. Please accept my present, which has been brought to you. Or, okay, please accept my blessing that I have brought to you. Ah, the word blessing just keeps coming up. Ki chanani Elohim, God has been gracious to me. Vechi yeshli kol, I have everything. So he urged him and Esau accepted. Um, this is a crucial moment. Jacob is giving back the blessing he stole from Esau. That's what he needed to do. Jacob has been living under false pretenses his entire adult life. And he reaches this moment where he knows he has to risk everything and confront all his fears of his brother and all of his past misdeeds in order to set things right. And he can only do so because he now realizes that he has, he has been blessed. God has been gracious to him. God's been gracious to Jacob all along. And Jacob has never fully, it, we didn't study this passage after he dreams in last week's portion. God says, I'm going to be with you. And Jacob then says, okay, good. God, if God is with me and really does what God says God's going to do, I'll give an offering to God for that. Everything's conditional. Everything is like up for up for gaming, everything. That's Jacob. His whole life is, 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 is trying to game the system until now. And this is when he merits the new name. A whole new name. God wrestler, Yisrael. One who struggles with God and overcomes overcomes his fears, I think is what it's about. So he can face his brother without guile, give back what he's taken and start his life with a new identity, Yisrael. Because Akov, crooked, Yisrael can also be read as Yashar El, upright. So I, again, I've talked about this before. I think I'll stop sharing the screen for a bit. I've talked about this before, but I have an older brother 
who, um, whom I love very much. And um, who I have been trying to surpass. I was trying my whole life. Um, and yet in recent years, over the last 20 years or so, I've actually been able, I'll tell, I'll tell this story very, very, very uh, in shorthand, but as many of you know, our father committed suicide when we were young adults. And it was all about me. I never really, about how it was for me, how I dealt with my father's suicide, how, how, how. And I didn't really think about what it was like for my brothers. I couldn't. And then in recent years, as time healed and as I grew, I started to think, oh, I wonder what it was like for my brother, Danny. You know, because he was my older brother. He was successful. He got married young. He has all these kids. He makes a lot of money. It's like he doesn't like my brother. And um, uh, then I started to think. And so we started to talk about it. And I started to realize that as the firstborn, it was actually harder for him than it was for me. In my family, I was the identified patient, which turned out to be a blessing. I was very emotional. I acted out. My parents got me help early. And I got committed to therapy. It's like all kinds of good things came out of being the identified problem, right? And um, my brother, he was just forging ahead. And when we finally talked and he could tell me what it was like for him, it was like seeing him face to face for the first time. So this story is deeply meaningful to me. And I'm so glad that we lived so long that we could meet like Jacob and Esau. My motives weren't uh, venal. I was just self-involved, right? Just like we, we all are, you know. Um, uh, and yet to reach the point where we could look at each other and say, oh, so that's what it was like for you. Can you imagine Jacob and Esau having that conversation? What was it like for you where dad loved you and mom loved me more? Because that's what the story is. Maybe we should write this sort of common, the, we should write the story within the story of them talking about this and how it set them off. Um, yes, Blaze says, thank you. What can happen when we put ourselves in another's shoes? Amazing. I know, I know. I have sympathy for my brother now. I'm just so grateful that we still we're still both here and can can keep growing. So there's something about wrestling, striving to overcome, and then having that deep, that profound soul struggle where you struggle. What you're struggling is to stop trying to overcome your brother, your sibling. And in that, you can then be blessed yourself 
recognize that you have everything that you ever needed and give the blessing back that you had tried to wrestle from your brother and say to your brother, my God, seeing your face is like seeing the face of God, please. Now what's gonna happen is that, and it's fascinating, and again, we've talked about this over the years, Jacob doesn't become Israel permanently by any means. And like I notice in myself, when like I hear that my brother's expecting another grandchild, you know, it's like, uh, I'm still Jacob, right? I'm still Jacob, but it's not dominating my consciousness, if that makes sense. It's like, and, and so I feel like Jacob also, and maybe this also helps answer Stan's question about why is Jacob our ancestor? Maybe because Jacob is so, is such a, a full character, so rich. Esau is fairly two-dimensional and a foil, not a bad foil. Esau's like, hey, easy come, easy go. Everything's okay. It's like Jacob is much more interesting. Um, and I can relate to Jacob differently than I relate to Esau in that I'm, some of the time I'm upright, Yashar. I'm like, and others of the time I'm back to like wanting to make it one, being jealous, envious, wishing I was him. Why does he get to, and I don't. And I feel that's like with Jacob and Israel. Um, but, and this is one of the beautiful things about this for me, our name, becomes the children of Israel. So there's an, it's an aspirational name to rise above, to not succumb, to keep struggling. That's right, Naomi says, as one of six siblings, there are so many dynamics. I know you have a big family, Naomi. And with my father's passing last year, this healing is in process accepting and seeing the humanity and trying to understand their experiences, not just my own. Right. And, and, and you know, this pertains to any, whoever you're close to. The Torah is a sibling story. It's a family. The, the Genesis is a family story. So uh, um, that's, 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 that's what uh, we're talking about our siblings, whether our actual siblings or our companions on the journey through life. So I'll repeat, we have this aspirational name and it's very meaningful to me when I look at it in the context of this story. Are we going to keep wrestling with our fears, are we gonna keep trying to see the face of God in the people that we love? Are we going to merit this new name? 
or we're going to sink back into our, our I would say that initial Jacob is so self-absorbed. He never even considers his brother's feelings or condition. He never sees his brother. So does it mean to be Israel, to be someone who transcends our self-absorption, our selfishness, our personal uh, will to win, to, to, to beat someone, to, to exceed them? Those are all part of ourselves. But is this our, is this our um, more realized self? Is this our, uh, what we know we're capable of? And so that's my current sort of very psychological take on this story and what the name Israel is supposed to mean and how we need to keep striving to live up to that name. And then with that, like, that sort of like big underpinning with telling this story, when we say Shema Yisrael, Listen, Israel, we're calling our higher selves. That's how I hear the Shema, based on my understanding of this story. That Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai is our God, Adonai is one. And if Adonai is one, then when we see our brother's face, it's like seeing the face of God. This brother whom we've never, ever actually looked in the eye and met without agenda. So listen, Israel, calling your biggest, highest, least self-involved self to the table so that you can recognize the face of God in the people that you meet. Thank you. That's what I wanted to share with you.